104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Can you believe it? It's mid-November. And the weather's beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous outside. I shot my voice working in the yard. I am Joe Weston. <laughs> I'm kind of the cat wrangler around here, and I'm joined by our uh, our our birthday boy, Ned Reynolds. Happy birthday, Ned! Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. Thirty mm-hmm. nine. Uh, well, and as Jack Benny would say, thirty nine for the thirty ninth year. <laughs> you just lost about seventy percent of our audience when you said Jack Benny. Yeah, they, Jack Benny, who's that? What drink was that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> the B team's with us. John Oliver, Josh Roberts. John, how are you? Doing well. It's a beautiful day, like you said. So excited to be here, Josh Roberts. <laughs> Sorry, I had to stop. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Josh Roberts, how are you? I am also excited to be here. No, yeah, it's great. All right, let's talk about last week's game, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they played somebody. Who did they play last week? They played that oh, team. Oh, that's right, that, they played the Packers. And we're watching them right now in their game with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I have to stop and say this right out of the gate. You were quite enamored with Jordan Love last week. I didn't see anything from Mr. Love that got me excited Well, and I'll tell you why you did not, too, and, it, and it's to the Chiefs' credit. They took his game. They, they The Chiefs gambled. They gambled on the fact that this kid's inexperience as a starting quarterback was going to backfire on him big time. So what they did was max pressure the entire game. Now, had they done that with Mr. Rogers in there, it would have been sayonara Chiefs because he knows how to handle these things. They gambled on Jordan Love not reacting very well to heavy pressure. He didn't react very well. You saw some of his passes were hurried. Love is a good player, but he doesn't have quite the quite the acumen yet to be able to enhance his game to a professional or to an NFL level. He will in time, and he better, because I don't think Rodgers is going to be with the team next year. But over and above all of that, uh, it was to the Chiefs' credit that he didn't show very well. This is the second consecutive week that the Chiefs' defense has shown up and played extremely well. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Are they better or are they just playing bad teams? No, they're better. They're better. The The addition of certain uh, Melvin Ingram for in, uh, has made a big difference, and he did get, I think it was 29 snaps that he was in, mm-hmm. and he'll get much more tonight out in Las Vegas. That's, that's a key because he does have the experience. He may not be better than a lot of players. He is 32 years old, and he's been around the wars. But he still, for a very short time, can get in there and be very disruptive with the rest of that Chiefs defense. So, yeah, that is a big get. Josh Gordon, waste of time, in my opinion. But Ingram is not. He, he can play the game. I saw an article on ESPN that said that uh, Chris Jones crediting some of his better play with the fact that he's moved to the spot that he naturally plays in. And Melvin Ingram is the player that's helping him do that. Where Jones should have been yeah. from the get-go. Exactly. John, your thoughts on last week's game? Definitely not an offensive contest by any means. So, again, you know, you had the usual suspects show up. Uh, Sneed's playing really well in the secondary right now. I've been really happy with how he's kind of turned things around. Nick Bolton, again, I know I mention him every week. What a stellar rookie season he's having. You can't, it's hard for me to fathom that he's a rookie. And I want to piggyback off what Ned said. Melvin Ingram. In watching that game and watching his body language and him jump around and the energy, that's contagious. 
And sometimes even, you know, as Ned said, he's not a superstar. He's not going to change the defense by himself, but he could certainly change the defensive mindset. A motivated player who was, by his accounts, in a bad situation with his old team can make something happen leaps and bounds when they energize the rest of the people around them on a new team. Josh, your thoughts on last week's game? I was very happy with the changes that the the defense has made, and and they did play really well. I like the fact that they put so much pressure, mm-hmm. blitzed so much, brought the different schemes and confused and everything. They took advantage of the fact that that he was a young quarterback and inexperienced quarterback, which is great. They need to do that. Um, I'm, the the offense didn't really impressed me all that much, but I was happy with the defense, and I'm glad. I didn't even realize they put Chris Jones back in his original mm-hmm. spot, but that's what they've needed to do all season. So I'm glad they finally did that. Mm-hmm. Let's stop and talk right there, because I think we've gone around the table, and everybody said basically the same thing. Defense looks improved. Mm-hmm. Offense looks lost still. Your thoughts, Ned? Well, I hope the defense is improved, and yeah, I think incrementally it has been. Are they to the notch where they should be? I think we'll find out a little bit more about that tonight when Derek Carr, a tried and proven QB, is back there for the Raiders and what he can do. They're, the Las Vegas running game, guys, is pretty good. They have a, and, and, and their passing game, they've got some quality even with rugs out of there. They have Deshaun Jackson in there. They got, I think from the Rams is where he had, he had uh, bid farewell. Now, but he's 34 years old. Can he still get it done? Well, Carr seems to think so. This is a team that has a whole lot more offensive capabilities. If the Chiefs put the pressure on Carr the way they did last week, well, then there are probably going to be some problems because while that defense looks very flashy and comes up with some big stops and some sacks and all that sort of thing, there are ways to beat that. And the experienced teams can. And the Raiders are an experienced football team. Not predicting one way or the other. But I think the Chiefs will have to change their change their scheme a little bit. Yeah, the offense has been a little bit stagnant. I heard Tony Romo say the other day that these it happens. I mean, when people are around for so many years, you go through slumps. He says Patrick Mahomes will be just fine and the Chiefs will be just fine. They're going through a down period right now. Yeah, I buy that. You see that with baseball teams, saw it with the Cardinals this year. Here the Cardinals had all these all-star pros on there and all that sort of thing. And what are they, barely 500 until they went on that 17-game winning streak? Okay, that can happen. That may may or may not happen to the Chiefs because football is an altogether different perspective in terms of its rhythm. But by the same token, Kansas City can do some things. Can they do them against a Raiders team that will be very motivated? This is a team that's been through a lot of disruption and they want to prove themselves, I think it would be a very interesting test. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. We're recapping last week's game, talking a little bit about this week's game, which is getting set to start. It's the Sunday night game, so it's the only game that will be going on. 725 this evening will be kickoff. We'll have the Chiefs pregame show starting at 6 o'clock with Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and the rest of the crew. But I want to stop right there and talk. What are you seeing specifically, Ned, with the Chiefs' offense? I mean, you talked about them being slumping, but is there something in particular that you're seeing that, that you know, kind of tripping alarm bells for you? The precision is not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is precisely what the problem is. Uh, these The passing attack, for instance, that Mahomes had going for him, he was flashy and throwing the sidearm passes and completing them all that 
he's still there. He's still doing his thing, but the receivers are not. I attribute this to a lot of different variables, not the least of which is that there are new players on the team, and they may not. We're, we're, it, it's, it's comparing apples and oranges. When you're taking a look at the Chiefs in their Super Bowl year, you had a veteran core that was accustomed to everything Mahomes did. Now, yes, the receivers are the same, but the offensive line is not. These are all new guys, not all of them, but most of them. Remmers won't be in there today. He's out. Uh, Lucas Niang will not be in there. He's gone. So what is the, uh, what's the situation? Where is your rhythm? Well, it's been disrupted because that offensive line does not have the same, they're not, they're not on the same page that uh, Mahomes is. Is it an excuse? You have to have something, and Mahomes hasn't deteriorated in his skills. It's the protection that he's getting. You saw the Super Bowl last year, and to some extent, you're seeing that carry over this year. Does it continue? I don't think it does. I think that the Chiefs' scheme of things will overcome a lot of this. When that's going to happen, if it happens, that nobody knows. Interesting, because the Chiefs' offensive line is getting banged up again this year. You mentioned Mike Rimmers is out. Lucas Niang is questionable. Oh, I for thought the he was out completely. They're just putting questionable by his name right now mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, no, it is. I'm sorry. They have an out next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know why that is. It, I, I'll have to research this a little bit and see what they're saying. But Andrew Wiley is going to be his backup. It, 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 Andrew Wiley's a very serviceable guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a bad. He's not a bad pass protector. He's not a bad run blocker. They have some depth, but that depth is really being stretched then with getting rid of the doctor i mean they Mm -hmm. let him go and we talked about that last week that he was one of the moves that they made they passed on him over to the new york jets got another tight end for their team they have four tight ends but they don't have a fourth player on any other offensive line position Mm -hmm. for the chiefs this season somebody will have to bring up from the taxi squad yeah john what's your thoughts on the offense what are you seeing that's here's here's what's bothering me about the offense you know since since we play classic rock on this station there's a billy joel song called matter of trust and that's where i'm at right now with the chiefs offense um you know a few weeks ago and i think i might have even mentioned this last week you know i said mahomes with kelsey and hill being double teamed he's got to try to trust in some other guys and the pringles the hardmans on the team well he did that last week and there were drops and there was a fumble And that seems to continue to happen. And so trust goes two ways. I think Mahomes tried to open it up last week. Demarcus Robinson, I've heard his name called one time all season. So Mahomes tried to hit these guys, but they just don't seem like they're in sync either right now. So with the trust factor eroding, which it wasn't too strong to begin with, I start to worry that we're going to try to force things as we have all year to Kelsey and Hill, and it's just not going to get any better. Josh, what are you seeing that kind of stymies you? Here's what I see. The Chiefs average over five yards a carry when they rush the ball. We talked about that Mm -hmm. last week. This week, this past game, they started off doing that. Mm -hmm. They were running the ball very effectively. They had second and shorts, third and shorts. They were making first downs. But what bothers me about their offense, and I put this squarely on the coaching staff, is their play calling goes crazy. They'll they'll get a couple of first downs. They'll have a second short, 
and then they decide to throw it 50 yards down the field, <laughs> and then it's third and short, and then they throw it 50 yards down the field again, mm-hmm. and then it's fourth and two, and they punt. Their play calling is terrible because when they did, the, the short passes over the middle, short passes in the flat, and the running game, they had good success against the Packers. And then they would just abandon it. And they'd have third and seven or third and nine because on second and second and long, instead of running the ball when they're averaging five yards a carry, they would try to throw it for a touchdown. That's what I see as the problem with their offense. Do you think it, let me ask everybody at the table right now, do you think that's a product of play calling or do you think it's a product of Patrick Mahomes? That is a very good question. Mahomes has been given a lot of freedom by the mm-hmm. by the Kansas City coaching staff. But Eric Bieniemy is also a very highly regarded offensive coordinator on this team. If Bieniemy is the one who doesn't have the rhythm going, and I can't believe that's the case, then he's to be held accountable. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it is Mr. Mahomes, uh, and I, I like him. He's, he's the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. But he is also, what, 25, 26 years old and may have gotten a little bit carried away with himself to think, I can do whatever I want to do out there. Well, you can't. It's so, pro football. Do you, so do you think he's calling audibles and audibling out of the play? Oh, I don't think he's calling the audibles. I know he is. Mm-hmm. The audibles, he has to be, yes. Well, that's a problem for me. Because that's what they're coming well, up with is these third and longs, and then they, mm-hmm. then that's when the pressure is going to be on them. Because what are you going to do in third and long? You're going to throw the ball. Well, I think when you look at the the team, they have several plays designed, and the checkoff is here, here, here. But he's not checking off anymore on some of those plays. And and what scared me about Patrick Mahomes early in his career, and something I said, this guy, if you listen to any of our shows three years ago, I would say this guy was great because this, this, and this. And one of the things I always brought up, he is a gunslinger, but he doesn't have that Brett Farb. I'm just going to throw it up, uh-huh. and we're going to see what happens. And this year, you're seeing a lot more, I'm just going to throw it up, and we're going to see what happens. That's exactly right. But Joe, keep in mind now, there was a precision to what he did yes. uh, two years ago and last year. And that precision was all based on timing. You're throwing to spots on the field, and that precision is not there. And it's because the offensive line is maybe a hairbreadth of a second off in their timing. Mm -hmm. And it's not giving him time to adjust. And I think he's letting go of the ball a little bit sooner than he had been. Receivers aren't adjusting the way they should be. I think it's a matter more of the offensive line than anything else. You really think it's the offensive line? I think they are... The trust trust factor is so important in any level of athletics. And and no, I think he is probably hurrying just a little bit too much. And as a result, then you're seeing incompleted passes, passes off the shoulder pads and off the helmets and things like that. That I I'm of the opinion it is based on that in in and of itself. What do you think the solution is? To, well, for the offensive line to become, and I don't think you can accomplish this in just six weeks or whatever the case is, but to become a little bit more cohesive, to have a veteran offensive line in there that is accustomed to what the Chiefs' game plan is. That's not to say they don't know the playbook. They do. Mm -hmm. They have to. They wouldn't be in that position otherwise. But again, it's a rhythm. It is a, and, and you see this with any good team. Look at the, and we'll use this at the college example. Look at Missouri State. 
their offensive line is so vastly improved mm-hmm. over what it had been because their timing is in good shape. They have the horses to do it, of course, but their timing is so good. Gives the quarterback time. There's confidence between the two of them. I just see a lack of that in Kansas City. John, your thoughts quickly. Uh, my quick thought is, you know, I, I, if you would have told me we were in week 16 or 17 and Mahomes had 10 interceptions, I would have said, oh, you know, it's kind of a down year for him. He's got 10 interceptions right now through half a year, so I'm not going to absolve him of blame on this. There have been a lot of bla- bad throws, Joe. Yeah, Josh, your thoughts? Oh, I agree with that. And and I, I know it's still hard for me to – I feel like the coaching staff has to take part of the blame for the play calling in, in this situation. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve Spagnola is off the hook for the uh, <laughs> for one week. <laughs> for the time being, we'll be back in just a minute with more Mined talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Here we are sitting around talking about sports on a classic rock radio station because that's <laughs> just how we roll around here. I'm Joe Weston, the Cat Wrangler, Neb Reynolds, Josh Roberts, John Oliver with us as we get you set for, well, to say that this is a rivalry game is a bit of an understatement. I mean, it's mm. it's it's not Michigan Ohio State, but it is still a football rivalry game. And the team that the Chiefs are playing today, the Raiders, the Oakland, I mean the Los Angeles, I mean the Oakland, I mean the Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders. Uh they are, are in a little bit of a disarray. Their their coach John Gruden left the team or was fired from the team, depending on who you believe. He is now suing the NFL over selective release of emails. I kind of agree. Now, John rolled his eyes. If you could see in the studio, you'd see John's eyes pop back into his head. But I, I, I thought it was really funny that all of a sudden, just after this guy, you know, makes some racist comment in a email, a whole slew of more emails appear. That, to me smells fishy but that's just me then the rugs incident and then they had another player who threatened someone on social media brilliant that's mm-hmm. always a smart thing to do they yeah, lost nobody that. sees that yeah they lost to a bad team last week mm-hmm. so they're a little bit of a disarray right now but they're a good team they are <laughs> it's how they how they come together in this disarray and and everything you pointed out does exist and does it have an effect on the team you bet you're behind it has some effect on them they all they all encompass what is going on they're not all involved obviously but when you have a teammate a guy like Henry Ruggs who's hey you'll be spending some time in the big house mm-hmm. uh, when you have a circumstance like this that has to affect the others because he's a star on the team and the other kid Arnett from Ohio State should have known better and what gets into these guys for God's sake well, he went to Ohio State come on <laughs> that should tell you a lot well, right there. the Ohio State University guys a very good school <laughs> extremely good school academically and the fact of the matter remains that these guys 
may, like a lot of athletes these days, been made to think that they're above everything else. And getting on a on a was Instagram is that what it was yes. and waving weapons around and threatening somebody. What on earth are you thinking? What was Henry Ruggs thinking? The fact <laughs> we're is, thinking they mm -hmm. they are teammates nope. and they were uh, they affect how these other guys are going to play. And yes, that has had an effect on Las Vegas. There's no question about it. The fact is, the team has to be understanding of their teammate and yet not associating with anything that they did because it, it's all wrong. So how do you how do you correlate this with playing football well? It does affect your game, as does the absence of Gruden on there, although mm -hmm. I think this the new coach, the interim coach that they have now, is uh, probably doing a pretty good job in trying to get them together. He's much more of a mellow individual, and mm -hmm. that's probably what they need. Joe, you're... you're Assessment of them as being a good football team is correct. They are. They have some very good weapons. Now, they're compromised a little bit right now, but they can play the game, and they're a team that if they put their mindset to it, forget any of the detractions, and probably they're, they're going to tonight in front of a home crowd, and it'll be a raucous home crowd, uh, I think that will happen. I think they'll probably play as well as they can. You talk about the rivalry. I've been out here now for 55 years, and that rivalry has is just as intense now as it was back then, back in the old days when it was the AFL and the Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders were playing, and you had Lenny Dawson getting beaten up by Big Ben Davidson, and <laughs> and you had the game breaker Otis Taylor coming to his rescue, and the oh god, that was mm. that was heavy stuff back then. <laughs> now the Raiders certainly are not the team that they were in the seventies. No, no, they're no, not no. the well, they were the winningest team in the NFL in the seventies, even more so than the Cowboys. But they're not that team, and they have not been that team for a long, long time. There mm -hmm. are many down years for the Raiders. Last year, you could see the the direction turning. Mm -hmm. This year, you see maybe it's starting to pay off, and then all this crap happens. Mm -hmm. John, your thoughts? It's a lot of distractions. Uh, jokingly, I you know I didn't really think Arnett had a chance when at Ohio State they assigned Maurice Claret as his academic advisor. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, this is a five and three football team. They are very good, and they're sometimes overlooked because they are kind of that middle-of-the-pack team that hangs around. At the end of the day, Derek Carr's a good quarterback. The guy's, I think, has improved every single year. I feel like he's underrated. Darren Waller may be the most underrated offensive player in the NFL, in my opinion. He's a fantastic tight end, game-changer. And then the thing they have that the Chiefs lack is that two-pronged running offense. They have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, and they can tear teams apart because you just don't know which one's going to slice you. So, And then defensively, the Raiders have always been a traditional defensive powerhouse. It's not the same as it you know was in the 70s or even the early 80s, Joe, but they're still a very good defensive team. So I don't, I don't want to take anything away from them. Last week was a tough loss, but they were 5-2 and two before that point. I mean, this is a good football team. The loss of rugs hurts, but I think they'll have other guys that step up. I don't think this is the death knell for them at all this year. What do you see? What do you think you're going to see from the Raiders tonight, Josh? Well, I, I'm a little... It's going to... I'm a little worried about it because uh, they, they are a good football team and they've had all this adversity... And they're still in the hunt, and this is a big rivalry game. 
And if they can put all of the distractions aside, like Ned was talking about, and just play football, they're, they are the best team in our division. Mm-hmm. And so the Chiefs are going to have to play a near-perfect game to win, I think. Perfect game. Near-perfect. Near-perfect game. Do you think that's possible for the Chiefs at this point in the season? <laughs> Ned? Who knows? <laughs> there you go. Very <laughs> succinct. I like well, that. Well, they have played. They have played. They've had flashes mm-hmm. of very good football. Uh, games against a Washington team that I didn't think was very good, but look at the way they've come back. Mm-hmm. I thought the Chiefs looked very good against them. I thought they looked a little better than good against the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a high-scoring game. They got victories there. And they've gotten victories over the Giants and the Packers. The Packers one you have to view a little bit with a jaundiced eye. But the the New York Giants game bothered me a little bit because they could not really manufacture any kind of consistent offense. But can they win tonight? Well, Giants were the team that beat the Raiders last week. That's they where were. That's, that's correct. That's where I think what you're seeing for a lot of teams in the NFL is that there's these almost star combos. That teams have, and if one or two players go out of that combo, I mean, look at New England today. Gronkowski couldn't play. Um, their star Antonio Brown couldn't play today. Mm-hmm. So they get beat by Washington, a team that they should easily, handily beat. Mm-hmm. You look at Seattle. They, uh, we're, we're Seattle's on in the in the studio while we do the show. I and I'm sitting here thinking, the best quarterback in the NFL could be Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And if Russell Wilson had somebody to protect him all of these years, he might be, could have been the best quarterback ever because he's an extraordinary football player. Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at Green Bay. They did not look like a world beater football team with Jordan Love at quarterback. Mm -hmm. You look at the same thing with the Cowboys when Dak Prescott went out. They did not look like a world beater team. You lose a couple of these pieces from your team, and the same thing goes for the Chiefs. And I I go back to exactly what you said in the last segment, John, about the trust factor. Mm -hmm. It's You could tell that Patrick Mahomes doesn't trust that offensive line. He doesn't trust that core of receivers. Mm -hmm. And I think that those guys, and I I keep talking about this, Sammy Watkins, just his presence, even though you count on Sammy Watkins to miss Mm -hmm. 8 to 10 games a season, Mm -hmm. just the fact that somebody – turned to somebody in that locker room and said, you got to step up for Sammy. Mm-hmm. And now you're the f- number one guy, McCole Hardeman, catch a ball. I know. Yeah, I agree. But I think you're seeing that a lot. What's your take on the, uh, all the, you were calling it parody, but I call it crap play <laughs> and, the, and the NFL last couple of weeks. I honestly think, I think Ned always brings up this point. These are all professionals. And at the end of the day, you know, the NFL, especially in the last decade, has been dominated by teams like the Patriots, teams like the Packers. You're starting to see those teams age out, which is the natural progression of sports. We also have a huge nucleus of young superstars, the Mahomes, the Darren Wallers, the Josh Allens. These guys are getting teams that were traditionally very mediocre into that next level. Justin Herbert's another guy that I have to admit's for real now. So to me, it is parody. I don't think it's necessarily bad play. I think everybody is starting to stockpile talent because there's a lot of it out there. And I think these games are a heck of a lot closer and kind of a coin flip just due to the personnel they've got there. 
Don't sleep on the Patriots. Oh, Do Lord, not sleep no. on the Patriots. Not, especially not after they're, today. They're not aging out. That's and, without and, Damian Harris. And know. to back up what uh, John just said, who's who's the kid that you were talking about that none of us had ever heard of who, who uh, ran for 100 yards? Oh, Did, the uh, the kid for... Uh, oh, now I'm totally blinking. Uh, anyway. It's just yeah. radio. We we, I know, right. We weren't familiar with the guy at all, yep. and he ran for 100 yards. Say, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yep. He's an OU guy, an OU Sooner, not a big star down there. Mm-hmm. There is the key, in my opinion, to why the Patriots and why some of the others have had mm-hmm. the dominant eras that they have. And it's because they don't draft for the front line. They draft for depth. And when you have depth on your team, you just called it, Joe, the rate of attrition in the NFL. You're playing 17 games yeah. against teams that are of <laughs> outstanding caliber. You're going to have... A very high rate of attrition, and we're seeing it. And when you don't have frontline players to fill in, when you don't have a good stockpile of depth, you're going to have big-time problems. What do you think, Josh? I think somebody in Vegas needed to make a lot of money the last couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that uh, conspiracy theory note, we will uh, go to commercials. We'll be back in just a few minutes to talk more about whatever we feel like. It's Ned Talk. (laughs) You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Oh, we're about 20 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. You can hear that right here on 104.7 The Cave. Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, Dan Ezreal kickoff 725 from Vegas tonight. Raiders and Chiefs. I'm Joe Weston. Deb Reynolds, Josh Roberts, John Oliver. You're up to date. What shall we talk about? Let's. Well, I know. Let's talk about sports. How about that? First thing, since my selective memory loss happened before the break, it's Ramondre Stevenson. He was no, the kid your who, name is John Oliver. He was the I know kid that. that came in, played for Damian Harris today with the Patriots, and ah, rushed 20 okay. times for 100 yards. You're looking at me strange, and I thought, did I call John by the wrong name again? Nope. Did I do that? No, no. Nope. I've known John for years, and I call him by the wrong name so <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> All right, let's talk about sports. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to talk about in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in just a second. But let's talk about our own Missouri State Bears getting another big win. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, how was the game? I have to say this, Netta. I, I drove by the stadium. I'm disappointed in the turnout from the students. It is not as good as it should be. Students, go to the game. Live in a different era, I'm very sorry to say. It's an era that did not exist 25, 30, 35, 40 years ago when the students really did identify with the game. And while they may not have turned out in mass, they certainly turned out a whole lot better than they are right now. The crowd was listed yesterday at 9,100. I That's not how I observed it <laughs> from down the field. It looked more like about 2,000 less than that, maybe about 7,000, somewhere around there. But then again, who knows? I'm not counting the tickets. The support. This is a very, very good football team. Missouri State is not a fluke, folks. Now they are living on the edge of a sword. (laughs) They have played every one of these games close, and they've had to pull them out in the end. But the fact is, they have rescued these games. Mm -hmm. That's because the QB, Jason Shelley, is a very fine quarterback. 
He is uh, an astute kid, has a good focus. I'm told he has another year of eligibility oh, remaining. That's and that's, hey, that would put Missouri State at, you know, among the top teams in America, 1AA. They, they can play the game. They know what they're doing. They have quality athletes out there. They have won their way into the playoffs. I don't care if they ended the season right now. They're in the playoffs. Their game next weekend is it's, it's a non-conference game, number one. And it's kind of a, th- I, I hate to say throwaway, that's not it. It's on the schedule to be played. <laughs> and Dixie State has played some very good teams. They are in a transition year going from D2 to 1AA. They're actually a former junior college that's trying to play big-time football. Well, the transition's a little bit on the difficult side. They've played the likes of Delaware, Sam Houston State. they played Sacramento State, a lot of teams from the Big West. Mm-hmm. They did get a win last week, and they won 62-21. to 21. You say, wait a minute, this, this team's explosive. It was a D2 team. They played Fort Lewis out of Colorado, and uh, I don't think Fort Lewis is very good. <laughs> Dixie State is not. They have been, they have been thumped. Big time. Mm-hmm. Sam Houston State, the number one team in America, played them two weeks ago, three weeks ago, beat them 59-2 to two or something Oof. like that, or 59-3. to three. <laughs> The Bears are going to go out there to St. George, Utah, and play them next Saturday night, and I, I'd be amazed if the Bears don't rack them up big time with a lot of scores. Mm-hmm. And then the fans who go out there will really have a big time because St. George, Utah, folks, is one hour from Las Vegas. Thank you, sports fans. <laughs> all right. First of all, you need to explain something to me. How does a team in Utah, how does a college in Utah be known as Dixie State? How does it's, that work? It's the region of the state. It's in the very southern region and it, it has something to do. Now there has been a petition to change it. I will tell you this. I, I'm not. I'm not claiming that at all. I'm not getting into politics. I'm just trying to figure out how a team in Utah geographically is known as Dixie State. Well, I don't know the background of how that region got called that, or the family. It, was there a family by that name? Yeah. That part of it, I don't know. But they've been they've been around now for a couple of years as a D two team, and now they're making that transition. But I can tell you they're in St. George, and St. George is only a very short distance out there. Everything's a short distance from Las Vegas. And uh, there were we, and I use that collectively, Missouri State's taking a large contingent of fans out there, yes, to see the football game, but yes, to visit Vegas <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, you know, Utah's well-known for its jazz, too. That's why they call their basketball team, the Utah Jazz. Right. No, I know, I know, I know. They come from, that's from New Orleans, and they didn't change the the name. lakes in L.A. (laughs) Well, the the rationale for that one is L.A. Yeah, right. That's what they used, and it was a rationale because the Minneapolis Lakers were named for all the lakes up there. Right. And uh, Los Angeles got that. They just say, hey, well, let's just call them that with L.A., L.A. Acres. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. stretching it a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Riveting game going on right now between Green say. Bay, three to nothing over Seattle in the third quarter. Two rusty quarterbacks yeah. playing today. I'd like to personally apologize for anyone watching this game of the battle of who could care less. <laughs> I'll tell you what else is fascinating. I think the temperature up there is probably about 25 degrees, too. They are. It is not exactly balmy conditions. No. Oh, my goodness. So who, right. who hit the three-run homer? I don't know. Right. I think it was Russell Wilson. No, oh, right. it, was, it was Aaron Rodgers. Well, no, right. no, no, Russell Wilson he could because he's a he great right. baseball player. He is a uh, New York Yankee. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He is uh, signed to their farm system. 
He comes out every spring training and plays a little baseball. And mm. probably could still play baseball. Yeah, but not at the major league level. Mm. Let's, let's point that out. Okay, let's talk about some of the other sports happenings this week. We mentioned it earlier. John Gruden now suing the NFL over the selective release of some more emails that came out suggesting that he's not a very nice person. Not that we didn't know that to start with, but, you know, not nicer than what we already thought. Ned, your thoughts on any of this? Oh, you can't condone what he did, but I do understand why he's upset, and I'll tell you why I do. Because uh, the some of the remarks are 11 and 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. He made them in correspondence with uh, another individual with another club. Seemingly, these correspondents are supposed to be private. Now, all of a sudden, some news agency like the New York Times gets a hold of these texts and emails or whatever they were. And they decide that this is public information. I have a great problem with that. Where are the privacy laws? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what exists and what is public domain and what is not. But that seems to me to be a bit of a stretch. Again, not condoning what he said at all. That's that's totally irresponsible and irrelevant, uh, uh, relevant, I should say, point to bring up because of where we stand. But I I I think there's a certain level of your your private communications that is being compromised here. That's a personal opinion. Well, I think too, you've got to know who you're communicating with because one person has to give those emails up. They just don't appear. You know, the other party obviously gave the emails either to the NFL, and I'm sure that they went through the NFL Mm. to the New York Times or whatever publication pressed them because I think the NFL saw themselves getting a black eye with John Gruden. Sorry, no pun intended. Seriously, that they were looking at a bad situation with John Gruden and what happened with him and what he said, and they thought, okay, that's the part that scares me is that they looked at him and they said, you know, we need to get this guy out of the league. There's one email. Let's see if we can find some more because, you know, the NFL has the an army of attorneys mm-hmm. and investigators mm-hmm. out there. But again, does that excuse a privacy factor being compromised? If, again, one party gives up those emails. If you send an email to me and I give it to and I give it to somebody, then the, there's nobody stopping me from doing that. You know, and then again, that goes back to uh, I, I don't really think it's the age we live in. I just think it's it's just people and, you know, they're, you know, lust for money or lust for whatever mm-hmm. that they're going to get out of this. I know you're not a John Gruden fan, John Oliver, but your I, thoughts. I'm not. So, I mean, I see where Ned's coming from. I do feel like this was a pretty premeditated witch hunt on the part of Goodell and company. I mean. Goodell's made no secret of the fact that he's the sheriff in town, and if he doesn't like someone or if someone doesn't fit what he wants, he makes an example out of them. I'd also like to apologize for the village that's missing its idiot in John Gruden, (laughs) but at the same time, I don't necessarily agree with how this was handled entirely. Your thoughts, Josh? Uh, It's a bit of a mess. I mean, talking about privacy laws and where does that fall with email and, and that kind of thing, Every bit of media in this day and age is you can find it somewhere. You mm-hmm. can dig enough to find it. And so even if even if what you're saying is true, Joe, where they sent those emails through the NFL before they got to New York Times, it, that's irrelevant because the New York Times could have hacked their email account and gotten those emails anyway. I mean, 
I think now that is that is criminal. Well, yeah, that would be a criminal. That thing. would be a criminal offense, right there. But I think that the more important subject needs to be how does the NFL clean up its image when it seems like it is rife with these types of things. <laughs> well, let's look at the NFL ownership. Let's just start there. Right. It's white and old and rich. Yeah. So there you go. There's a problem right there. We'll be back with more Ned Talk in just a moment. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. A little bit of house cleaning to do before we head into our picks. Let me just mention we'll be on next week at 1 o'clock for Ned Talk as the Chiefs will take on the... Was that right? No, we'll be on at 1 o'clock. That's right. They take on the Dallas Cowboys. It is a 325 game. Also want to say happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Ned Reynolds, a veteran. So happy birthday and happy Veterans Day to you. Let's do our picks. First, though, really quickly, I do want to mention, too, that our player of the game is brought to you by Morrison Webster and Carlton. I think all of us can agree. Tommy Townsend, player of the game last week. <laughs> let's, oh let's, let's do our picks real quickly. Ned, who do you got in the game tonight? I have to think the Chiefs pull this one out. Maybe a very close game, maybe a relatively high-scoring game, but I think the Chiefs will win it, and I'm going to guess maybe a 31-28. to 31-28, close game. John. I'm going to hope I'm wrong in my pick, but I am going to pick against the Chiefs in this one, and I'm going to give it to the Raiders 24 to 13. Ooh, that's a handy win for the Raiders. Josh. Ooh, I want the Chiefs to win. I want them to win 20 to 13. So let's go with that. Could you see Nick Saban as the coach of the Raiders next year? No. I could. I could. No, no, no. He's not going back to the NFL. They'll pay him him like a bajillion dollars. (laughs) He was terrible as as the Dolphins coach. Well, he's a terrible human being, too. Besides, I mean, you know, he fired that lady in the Miami organization because he set this rule. He said, don't talk to me in the mornings. Just don't talk to me. And there's a lady that worked with the Miami organization for literally years as a secretary. And she said, good morning, Mr. Saban. Went to his office, called somebody and said, fire her. Oof. And they did. Oh, and There uh, has to be more to it And Dan Marino, no, he didn't want to be spoken to by anybody because he's an arrogant, you know what. And Dan Marino was like, look, I'll give you a job. I'll take care of you because this is just ridiculous. So my pick is for the Chiefs. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to win easy tonight, 28-13, because I think the Raiders are still in disarray, and the Chiefs ultimately are a better team than the Raiders. So get set. The pregame show is getting ready to start. Art Haynes, Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis, this all happens right here on your home for the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs, 104.7, The Cave. Goodbye, guys.